0: Hi everyone, I'm Susan Harrow, media coach, marketing strategist and author of the best selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. I'm also CEO of PRSecrets.com and I want to welcome you to the Be A Media Darling podcast. Join us on BeAMediaDarling.com and PRSecrets.com where you'll get free goodies and also the resources that we mention in each episode as well as other delightful things that will help you shine in the media spotlight. On Media Coaching Monday, I'll show you exactly what you need to do mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually to prepare for specific types of media appearances, including written print interviews, phone interviews, radio appearances, TV appearances, speaking engagements, podcasts, of course, panel events, and more. Tune in every Monday to get your soundbite set for your time in the spotlight. Today, my guest is Diane Altamar, and she is author of a fabulous new book called Clarity, 10 Proven Strategies to Transform Your Life. Diane is an integrative life coach to thousands of people, including recently teenagers worldwide. And for the past 16 years, she's been a beloved motivational Speaker and national keynote speaker and also a workshop leader. And through those talks, she's also helped thousands of people transform from a limiting past to an inspiring future. I love that phrase, by the way. It's really lovely. Yeah, she has been featured on syndicated radio shows, including iHeartRadio, and she contributes to Finer Minds, which is an online resource of personal wellness, information, and enlightened ideas. Diane received her certification as a master-level coach, from the Ford Institute of Integrative Coaching, founded by Debbie Ford. And she divides her time between sunny, beautiful California and rainy Seattle, which she describes as the best of both worlds. And I wanted to let you know also that you can get a free excerpt of Diane's book at her website, which is Diane, D-I-A-N-E, Altomare, A-L-T-O-M-A-R-E. And you know I have a hard time saying your last name because I always want to say Altomare. Yes. So it's DianeAltomare.com forward slash clarity. I'm going to say it again. D-I-A-N-E-A-L-T as in Tom, O-M as in Mary, A-R-E dot com forward slash clarity. And if you want to work with Diane directly, which I highly recommend, you can book an appointment right on her website at com. her name dot com. So that said, Diane has been a client of mine to do media training. And actually, we did some strategic planning to systematizing of your website before you started doing media. And today we want to talk about how you're applying that media coaching to your media tour for your book and some of the crazy things that have happened during that tour. So we want to talk about like what happens when you have that oh my God moment like I didn't, I did not think that this was going to happen. So let's talk about your very first interview and what happened.
1: Well, thank you so much, Susan. It's so good to be with you. And you. The very first interview actually was, I would definitely say the most difficult because I didn't know what to expect and the style of the host, which has been really part of the learning curve, was difficult for me to embrace. Every host has a different style, just like people have different personalities and her style, was very, I like to call it unhinged. It was sort of floaty and random, and it was really hard to get a feel for, number one, who she was, what she was going to ask, and what was going to happen next, which in doing interviews, you really always want to expect the unexpected, but with her type of style, she would pause in between asking me a question and the way she would say it. Well, the question that I really wanted to ask you is, and she would leave all this space as if she was like pulling it out of thin air. And she actually was because (laughs) most of what she asked was not on the Q&A list that we gave her or the bullet points. It wasn't even really related sometimes to the book. And the first part of the interview, within the first 30 seconds, she recommended somebody else's book as she was introducing me. And that's fine. However, it kind of took me off guard for a moment. And so I really had to make sure that I wasn't paying attention to that and rebound from her mentioning somebody else's book, even though I thought we were on the show to talk about my book.
0: That's such a great point, because I think that if you start thinking about What happened in the past, you can't be present for what's happening right now. So not letting that bother you, I mean, that's really a big thing. And that's really a huge no-no. And the more experienced interviewers are, the less you'll get that sort of thing. The more blog talk radio and the less experienced radio hosts are more unhinged, as you say. So you do have to prepare for that. And maybe that's also an opportunity to make a connection to your book say, you know, to actually say in the future, when, if somebody does recommend someone else's book, if you know that book, to say something about it or to say what your book covers that that book didn't and how your book is different. Had you done a competitive analysis when you did your book proposal? Had you included that
1: book or was it, as I recall, it was one that was a little older, right? It was a really old book. And the good news was is that I did read it and I was very familiar with it. So I knew who she was speaking of and what she was talking about. And it really was somewhat relevant. It just really took me off guard. And I think that was really what I wanted to share was that it's really being able, like you said, to focus on what's happening in the moment and let go of whatever may have happened in the last segment or in the last minute and just really stay Focused and intentional as to what it is that you want to communicate, regardless of what the host does or doesn't ask or does or doesn't do.
0: Yes, I think that's really true. And when you and I talked about this a while back, you also mentioned that you had to transition from her irrelevant questions into your material because it was as if she hadn't read any of your material and she probably hadn't. and, And lots of hosts. And producers actually don't even have time to read your material and they may not refer to the information that you give them. And I know you said you gave her your bio and your Q&A questions, but she didn't reference them. Yes,
1: yeah, she probably didn't read the book. And in doing subsequent interviews with people who really shared how much they loved the book and this is such a winner and I was so moved by it. I read it all weekend It was such a different experience. And again, I think that it's just getting experience and being able to be intentional and be focused with what you're communicating, regardless of whether somebody's read the book or not, or what it is that they're asking is just really important. And it takes practice. And I definitely got better at it over the last few weeks as I've had about 15 or so radio shows to practice it, which is really, really what helped.
0: That's really super, can you remember any of the irrelevant questions and how you transitioned just to give a specific example?
1: She asked me how the concept of inner child relates to and I'm trying to think of what she asked because it was so irrelevant, oh, a trigger, and how do how do they relate and It didn't really relate at all in terms of the message that I wanted to communicate. It's somewhat indirectly related. And so I just started talking about the inner child. So I just picked one of them and I didn't really answer her question succinctly. I shared what it was that I wanted to share about the inner child. That's right. And didn't and didn't try to make and that was something I learned in that moment on the spot is don't try to make a correlation to something that you really haven't thought through that may not correlate and it may indirectly correlate, but I'm not going to put myself on the spot in this moment and try to like sound eloquent with it because <laughs> yeah. it come out right. And so I just stayed with what I knew. And, and that's really what I have learned so much from working with you that has been priceless. Is regardless of what it is that they ask, if it's relevant or not relevant, or they're trying to compare something that just doesn't make sense, is to answer the question in a way that you are delivering what it is that you really want the audience to know. And I did that really well as a result of working with you.
0: Oh, that's so great to hear. And especially since I remember we talked right after this interview and there were a lot of other crazy questions that she asked that we were laughing about because it was just so off the wall and irrelevant. And that to have your first interview was sort of good and bad, you know, that and I remember your publicist saying, You know, she thought you did really well. So obviously to the listener, it didn't sound as horrible as, you know, you might have thought in your mind for all those times where you said, oh, my God, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop every time she said, I'm going to ask you another question. and You were like, oh, no, what could it possibly be? And one transition, and I know you know this and have been using it, is I don't know about that, but what I do know is. So if anybody asks you a nutty ball, nutball question about something that's so not relevant to anything that you have written about or that you know about, that's just a wonderful transition line that can save your skin in any situation. I don't know about that, but what I do know is, and then you move right into your planned points, which you did beautifully.
1: Yes, it worked out well but I was definitely having some internal dialogue that was difficult.
0: Yes. And that's understandable. And, okay. and to eventually get to the place where you don't have the inner dialogue anymore. That was your first interview. So that was really yeah, yeah, a great thing. So I want to remind listeners that to get a copy of Diane's book, Clarity, 10 Proven Strategies to Transform Your Life, you can go to com forward slash clarity. And that's spelled D-I-A-N-E-A-L-T-O-M-A-R-E. And to book an appointment, you can go to dianealtimar.com. And I know that your schedule is getting really booked and you're starting to do much more groups. I mean, I know you have groups too. Are you still doing one-on-ones or are you mostly doing groups?
1: I'm doing a combination of both.
0: Nice.
1: Nice. Great.
0: So she's got some wonderful programs there to take a look and see if if you're looking for a coach. If Diane, who is, as you can hear, she's very grounded and also has a lot of experience in helping people, not just teenagers, but let's talk about those four areas that you specialize in as well. Because different coaches specialize in different areas and you've got a very specific focus on four groups of people, but it's also more expansive than that. So let's talk a minute about that and then come back to some other of your interviews.
1: Okay, perfect. So one of the groups of people that is really near and dear to my heart that I work with a lot is adult children of alcoholics. And I have direct experience with growing up in an alcoholic home. And so I can lend a lot of insight and wisdom and guidance as to really how to move through some of the things that come up as a result of growing up in that dysfunction and really how to look at many of the things that you may have learned and really honor them as gifts. So that is an area that is, like I said, near and dear to my heart. And then the other one is women and mothers who have lost themselves and their identity because for so many of us, women and mothers, we are often spending a lot of time really focusing on taking care of other people. And sometimes we put our own desires or our dreams on the back burner. And so if that speaks to you and there's something you really want to create, but you keep putting it off, I would love to help you be able to make your desire your reality. And then professionals that are ready to move to a career that's more aligned with who they are, but aren't really sure what that looks like. For many people, we get stuck in the identity that we've created for 20 or 30 or maybe 40 years you've been in the same career. And you know that you are evolving past it, but you don't know what to do or how to really use what it is that you've learned to transition into something else.
0: Nice. I'd, love to, I'd like people to also hear some of your key sound bites just so they know what it sounds like, what a great sound bite sounds like, no matter what anyone asks you. So even if I said to you, you know, tell me a story of someone who really found a gift in something that they considered a trauma before, or a heartache, or something that was super hard in their lives. And I remember you have a story, what I'm thinking of, if it doesn't come to mind, is it's the story
1: of the box. Yes. So the story of the transference box is really looking at what it is that we are wrapping our daily emotions in and being able to not only focus on the actions that we're taking, but specifically the energy that we're wrapping that action in and the emotions. And so what happens is as we give, for example, and I share this story in clarity, the gift of our time to somebody, what we really want to pay attention to is what that box is wrapped up in. And I give two different examples in the book. One is that you show up with the gift of your time and that box is wrapped up in the most exquisite wrapping paper and it has this amazing bow and you feel loving when you give the gift of your time and the person that's receiving that feels loved. And then on the flip side, sometimes we give our time and that box of time is wrapped up in red and black tattered wrapping paper and it might be tattered and you know ripping in at the seams and maybe the emotion or the energy that you are wrapping that gift of time in is frustration or resentment. And so as you give that gift of time, that is what the other person is receiving and just by being conscious of what we're wrapping our daily actions in we can get clarity on what we are giving to the other person and what they are receiving as well and it makes so much of a difference in what we're able to create
0: and you told me a story about you and your daughter
1: Yes. So my daughter gave me a box that is somewhat similar to the one that I just described. It was this adorable, and she's nine years old and my only child. And she came home from school and it was a Mother's Day gift for me. And it was wrapped up in this beautiful silver wrapping paper and it had a beautiful silver bow on it. And there was a message that was on top of that box. And I'm gonna paraphrase it, but the message really shared that here is a gift from me to you and don't open it because inside it's filled with love and it's something that you will always be able to have from me because it's what I feel for you. And it just was this like amazing validation That what I had written in Clarity two years earlier, it was to me this divine message. It was the exact story that I had written in the book. And she was giving me a physical representation of that box.
0: I just love that story because I think it's so powerful that you communicated that to your daughter by how you were raising her. Not that obviously she hadn't read your book. And you hadn't been talking about it, but that she got that. And I think that's part of your message that's so foundational that we are sending out these messages all the time. Yes. And in terms of how we wrap, whether it's our time, our love, our energy, whatever that is to whoever we're giving it to. And that is felt by whoever is receiving it, actually in a very concrete way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about some of your other experiences now that you've had uh, like a dozen of radio interviews. Is it radio and print? Because you haven't done TV yet.
1: Have you? I've done an interview. It's not TV yet, but it's with a TV post. And so I did a video. But yes, I've done over a dozen radio shows and some print. And one of the radio shows that I want to share was it was a little difficult to shake and it was actually just a few days ago so it's very fresh in my mind but the host slanted everything so negatively and she would say things like well don't you just think that people just need to like get off their duff and just do it i mean don't you think it just comes down to a point where people need to just get over themselves and just make things happen <laughs> and it took me a moment, and I used, again, one of the tools that you've given me, and I just took a deep breath, and I said, well, you know, that's, that's a really great question. Even though she didn't ask me a question, I needed a moment to really think about how I was going to phrase it, and I said, it is true that at some point— People need to make a commitment and a decision to do something. But one of the reasons that many of us don't follow through with the things that we really desire in our hearts and want to do is because we've had something happen in the past that made us feel bad about who we are. And we can't do what it is that we want to do. And that's one of the things I share in clarity. So I took it back to the book and I said, one of the things I share in clarity is really how to move through the difficult things that have happened in your past or the way you interpreted what happened or the way you don't feel good enough and are in fear of actually stepping into that next level in your business or in your relationship, or you just simply don't know how to do it. And I thought maybe that would calm her down a little bit, (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: but it really didn't. It was a 30 minute interview. And I honestly could not wait to get off the phone with her because it made me feel bad every time she was saying, well, don't you think people should just, and she was being really, just negative and almost condescending to people who can't get out of that place of feeling stuck. And I kept bringing it back to the message. There's a reason we feel the way we feel. You don't want to make yourself wrong for it. You really want to look at, what's happening and honor yourself. And there's a great step in my book. It's step six, the voice of your emotions. So even if you don't know what you're feeling, you can understand how that emotion might be expressing itself and be able to move through it. So it loses its hold on you and you can actually start taking action towards what you want to create. So as much as I could, I just kept staying focused on what is the message that you want to share. I kept asking myself that question. And again, not engaging is the word I would use. I did my best to not engage in her negative energy, but it was it was affecting me. It really was. I didn't like it. And I didn't want her to keep doing that. And yet at the same time, I just had to keep delivering my message. And so it really was a great example of how you move through something that is difficult by just continually standing in the energy that you want to convey and then giving your message.
0: That's such an important point. I think there are three important points here. Number one is you said the title of your book. So we never want to say in my book. We always want to say in clarity and then go forward. And then as much as you could, you didn't let her negative energy affect you in terms of influencing your answer. Yes. So you stayed on message and stayed on point with your own energy. And the third thing is that knowing that we can't control the other person, that we can only control ourselves. So we can only control our own feelings and our own energy and our own message, no matter what the host says or does, or no matter how they make us feel in the moment. You know, and that even, even though she was so strong on continuing in that energetic, that you stood firm in your own and continually brought it back to the points that you wanted to convey to your audience. Because that's the most important thing, what you want to convey to your audience. So those are three really Excellent things that you've been to apply and that you've obviously been able to do in a difficult situation, because that sounds like a really difficult situation since it happened the entire time. It wasn't just a one question thing. It sounded like you were mired in this negativity and you had to keep crawling out every single time.
1: And I wonder, too, if it was just her... Like it was her personality. It was the way that she makes her mark or is, is that her way of, I'm not sure what, what exactly it was. If I listened to her again on a different show with a different guest, would she be still acting in that way? Or was it just because our conversation was provoking stuff for her internally where she was annoyed that people just don't get it or do what they want to do? I'm not sure what it was. But yeah, it was interesting that I just really had to let it go and stay focused and share what I wanted to share. And at moments, it was a little difficult. And I had to, again, like internally remind myself, just share what you want to share. And it wasn't necessarily this conscious internal dialogue. It was just a fleeting thought or a quick moment where I went, okay, what is it that I want to convey? And I do want to share too that I know we're talking about all the difficult radio interviews, but I don't want to (laughs) make it sound like they're all this difficult because they really, for the most part of the 15 or so that I've done over the past two weeks, I would say, you know, 11 or 12 of them were absolutely amazing with amazing hosts that were all so different and interesting and really wrapped their energy around like helping me shine. And it was just maybe, you know, two or three, maybe three or four, I'll say that were challenging. Tell us
0: about then just swinging that back around, you know, tell us how in a positive interview, you were able to do something that. Maybe that the host brought out of you that you hadn't expected. Because one of the things that media interviews can do that are so amazing is you start to see where people focus, like what's of interest to their audience, and you start to see a pattern. And if you look for it, you can really see, oh, it seems like every radio host or every interview I get is focused on this one topic that seems to really have a good feel or really inspire someone. Did you find a pattern in any of the topics that those positive ones covered where you really felt alive and felt like that brought out a wonderful story?
1: I really did. I felt like there were many, many points on the bullet points that we shared that people focused on and in the Q&A, and there were some on that list that nobody ever touched. And I found it really interesting that there were certain ones that people really left out. So it really, in noticing that, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because in noticing that it helps refine the pitch even more to really understand what it is that people are really interested in right now and what is really relevant and then being able to take that a little further. And one of the great experiences that I had was this host who during the breaks would say to me, I don't know what it is that you're doing, but I have never been so transparent with my audience before. She said, I am sharing so many personal things about myself and I'm not quite sure why. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I said, you know what? It's really great. It's been such an awesome interview And I feel like your vulnerability and your transparency is really giving other, and it was an all women's show. This specific one is really giving all the other women and moms permission to do the same and to really honor whatever it is that they're feeling and not be so self critical or judgmental. So it was awesome.
0: See, isn't that really great where there's something else going on, you know, because this goes on at so many other levels where you connect, like we hope in our heart of hearts that we really connect with someone and that that helps bring a connection with the audience, you know, but that doesn't always happen and we can't let that influence us either. You know, this is a really wonderful thing that happened and this is what happens in the best of interviews where there's a kind of way that you connect that encourages someone to be more vulnerable or a deeper person and that that gets conveyed to their audience and that's lovely. You know, and that's a gift. That's one of the gifts, I think, of of doing publicity in that way is that it does open up the host and then it opens up the audience and then gives permission for people to feel these feelings, which some people feel bad for having felt them, which is what you talk about in your book, Clarity, 10 Proven Strategies to Transform Your Life. So our audience can go to your website, com forward slash clarity, D-I-A-N-E, a L T O M A R E dot com forward slash clarity. Or to book an appointment with you if you want to transform something inside of you that even if you feel like you just want more, you know. Or, you know, you feel like there's something that you want to open inside of you, anything, you know, whether it is a, a career, whether it is something in your personal life, Diane is, as you can hear, and you probably feel through her voice and her groundedness, which I think is so important in your field, it's DianeAltomar.com. And she has group coaching as well as individual coaching. Diane, anything else you wanted to share about some of your recent experiences, either do's or don'ts, or, you know, difficulties or challenges or, you know, some wonderful things that you've been able to use being able to create this kind of
1: wonderful feeling in an interview? Yes, I would love to share just the difference that I felt. And this was a personal experience. So it may be different for other people. But there were taped radio interviews. And then there were also live. And they were different times, so different segments. Some of the radio interviews that were live were 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And then some of the taped interviews were 30 minutes or a whole hour. And so it really, for me, shifted some of how I prepared for it and then also what it felt like during the interview. And I personally loved so much the live interviews. I loved the feeling of somebody driving in their car and that they were listening to the conversation that I was having with the host for 10 minutes. It felt so electric to me and I just really enjoyed it. And I could definitely feel the difference in the energy of the host when it was a live situation versus a taped. Situation, And then I also did a radio interview where there were people in the, um, what's the word? Studio? They, yeah, thank studio? you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they were in the studio. And I could feel that was much more, it was much more live, that live energy feel. So although live may be a little more nerve wracking in a way, there's also an energy there that I think really carries you. And it helps you to to just shine. And I really loved it. It was awesome. It was really great.
0: Yeah. And the, I think the challenge and the interesting part is to feel what it feels like to do that live energy and see if you can bring that to tape. Yes. I know it's it's a combination of the audience and the host and you. That, that that creates that. It's not just you. But to think that when you're doing a taped interview, you are really speaking to people in real time in that same way and to imagine them. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just, it's more of an act of imagination than it is where you don't have to do that. You don't even have to try in a live interview. I, I think it's the same when people... I listened to, in the olden days, when we had courses on tape, which are now on DVDs, which are now downloadable, but I could always tell when somebody did it in studio versus a live audience, and I never liked the ones in studio. You Mm -hmm. know, it just seemed, it seemed so rehearsed and so read, whereas the ones that were live with people, even though they weren't as polished, maybe, or as concise or tight, they were much more interesting and much more lively, and I think that's the same in any media appearance. Yes. Yeah. Anything you want to share with our audience about people who maybe this is their first time out or any other tips that you might have for people who are even experienced or just beginning and doing their own media
1: tour or any kind of media appearances? I would love to share about over preparing. And what I mean by that is. I had my questions and answers typed up and they were on the wall and they're actually still there right now. And so for me, I'm a visual person and I think it's really important to understand what works best for you. If you're a visual person, being able to have those little sound bites and those snippets on the wall in front of you, it gave me this level of comfort. And although I didn't always refer to them, I knew they were there. And the energy of that information was there. And although I would just talk most of the time, sometimes I would look at them and capture a part of it, but most of the time I would try to describe it and talk so that it sounded more conversational than being read. I still had them in front of me. And it's one of the ways that I would prepare. I would for a half an hour before the show. And of course, because this book just came out, And because this is the first round of interviews as well. I wanted to be so over familiar with the material that for the 30 minutes before the show, I would read it. I would look at it. I would just sit in quiet and get grounded and be relaxed and just trust that I was going to be able to, after many people reminded me that I'm the one who wrote the book, Right. Right. (laughs) That doesn't always translate because I wrote it two years ago and it's been edited and all of these things, right? And so really being able to have what you want to say fresh in your mind gives a level of comfort and confidence that I personally need. I like that. I like to know that my logical brain, that my left brain is going to know what information that I want to share so that I'm not spending time so connected to remembering what I want to share. And I'm just in the moment and I'm grounded and I'm relaxed and I'm sharing from my heart. And the way that I personally get to that place is by over-preparing. Or just preparing. For me, it feels like over-preparing, but that's what I wanted to share. I think that's really essential just to give you that feeling of confidence that you're going to be able to answer whatever question may come forth, even the ones that are picked out of thin air that have nothing to do with your book whatsoever, which happened once or twice. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, that's really, I think that that people get scared when they're underprepared and that they don't even realize that they're underprepared. Yes. So getting that level of comfort, it's about being prepared and being prepared so you can be free to be spontaneous, which I think that you explained very well, that you know your material so well, you don't have to spend your mind power remembering it. You can spend that time and energy connecting to your host and connecting to your audience and trust that you will be able to access that information because it's been embedded in your mind. And there's actually neuroscience to prove that, that when you get nervous, cortisol rises and blocks your short-term memory. So if you do not have those sound bites embedded in your long-term memory, you actually, if you're too nervous, can't access them. So it's actually real science. It's not just, oh, this is what happens when we get nervous. It happens when we get nervous because it's a chemical response.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So when you have your material so well, like you do embedded in that long-term memory, you can access it even if you're nervous.
1: And it's so important too, because I did a couple video interviews that were really on the spot and they were completely different than the soundbite that I had written down and rehearsed and memorized and prepared just because of the way that, the host asked the question. And so it just had to come from almost a different angle, even though it was the same material. And because I had really rehearsed that and like you said, it was so embedded, it just came out wonderfully. And so it was it was amazing.
0: Yeah, because it's not about blurting out the exact thing that you've written down. It's about, like you said earlier, being super fresh. That makes it, even if you've said it a hundred times, to make it sound like it's the first time. And that means that you might say things a little bit differently. You know, Mm -hmm. even if you've got the best way to say it. Like Jerry Seinfeld rehearses every pause and every word to hone his joke. And that's specifically for a timing for an audience response. And I think that people who do a lot of media start to do this too You don't want to do that if you sacrifice spontaneity, because I think it's really important to have that kind of connection. Now, Jerry Seinfeld's such a master at it. He's already connecting with his audience, even though it's not spontaneous words, because it sounds spontaneous in the way that he pauses and because he's got that connection with the audience. And that's the difference. Right. Does that make sense? Yep, it
1: absolutely
0: does. And, you know, when you get to that level, you can do that too. But if we hear you on 10 different programs, we don't want to hear you saying exactly the same things. No matter how beautifully crafted your sound bites are, we do want that kind of spontaneity and maybe a different twist on a story or a different saying or a little something that's the same point but told in a different way. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And I think that's part of the fun too. You know, for me as the guest is – like you were saying before, is there something that surprised you? And, and that was one of the things that surprised me is that most of the time I didn't say it the same way because the host was asking it in a different way or just because they had different energy. And so I would share a different story or something else came to mind. And so it was more fresh for me. And obviously, it would sound more spontaneous to everybody else and more conversational. And that's really what I wanted to do, because that's the way that we really connect with people. When we're connected to ourselves, and that is actually step one of clarity is the most important thing is being connected to ourselves. And when we're deeply connected to who we are, we can connect deeply with other people. And that connection comes across. And so in order to be connected to myself, I can't be in my head trying to craft what it is or remember what it is that I was going to or wanted to say.
0: I think that's a really great point. And you have got enormous amount of practice with that and not everyone does and that's why it's so important to practice that being connected to yourself and also not worrying about what the host or audience thinks of you which is like a whole separate topic of trying to gain approval by whatever we're saying but that connectedness to yourself and then connecting to the other person kind of bypasses the approval devil do you know what I mean yeah definitely don't you think
1: Yeah. And just, you know, really owning that you're the expert in what it is that you're sharing. And that's, I think, a journey. I think that's a journey that we embrace it every step of the way. But when we are communicating through media, we really want to let everybody know that we know and we believe that we are the expert in what it is that we're sharing because that will come across. And so I think it's really important to, if you don't feel like the expert or you're doubting yourself in some way, there may be some inner work that needs to be done there to just really let go of some of those beliefs or something that may be happening within you that you can really transform. And that's one of the things that I really help people do is clear out whatever it is, is in the way of you really standing in a space where you're communicating who you are and contributing your gift to the world in a way that feels good to you and helps people in the process.
0: Mm, hmm. I think that's really wonderful. So if you are preparing for a media interview and you feel like you've got some limiting beliefs or any kind of thing that just feels like you're stuck or aren't being held back, Diane Altamara is the person to go to, for sure, to get those, I don't know what you want to call them, blocks? Limitations. Yeah, so the limitations. Yes.
1: Limitations,
0: yes. Yeah, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to share before we wrap up?
1: No, I think it's been an amazing hour together. I think that we covered a lot and I'm just really grateful for you. As you know, I tell you all the time, but I am. I would not have been able to do what I did this past few weeks in the way that I did without your media training and coaching. And that is really the truth. She did not pay me to say that is the honest to God truth. And I would think of Susan often. She It's kind of like a mother, right? She would be in my mind in the radio interview. And again, that was another thing that really gave me confidence is because I knew that I had this guidance and training and the wisdom of Susan as the expert in her field to really help me in an arena that... I'm not an expert in, I'm not an expert in doing radio interviews. I'm practicing and I'm working on it and I'm doing well, but it takes a little bit of time to get really good at it. And, and I feel good. I feel really good about What it was that happened in the interviews. And that's a direct result of the coaching that I've had with you, Susan.
0: Well, thank you for that. And you can probably hear how much I adore Diane and also respect her because, yes, we did a lot of intensive media training. And then you did all of the work behind the scenes to get to that place and really organize your thoughts and what you really wanted to communicate to your audience and practice the hack out of it, as you can hear from just how Diane communicates in this new way. Because... It's not the same as speaking, and it's not the same as just talking to another person. I mean, it's like taking War and Peace and putting it into haiku. It's a different language. It's a totally different type of language. So, you know, I want to applaud you for taking everything so seriously and actually putting that into action way before your book came out, because we were working on this last year. Yes. Last year. So Diane has been preparing for that and letting it sink in, not a week before, two weeks before her book came out, but as she was writing and transforming the book, she was yes. also incorporating the sound bites and taking things from Clarity and seeing what stories she wanted to tell from that book and which new ones she was gonna tell from her own experience or clients' experience. You know, so some of the experiences come from the book, right? Come from Clarity, and other ones come from the new Experiences that you've had with your current clients or clients
1: who have been with you for a while. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Things are just constantly transforming. And some of the work that I've been doing with teenagers and parents is really becoming profound. And I know I mentioned before, but step six in clarity is the voice of our emotions. And it's a powerful tool that I'm giving parents to utilize with their children because there is a lack of communication. There's a disconnect and the parents don't know how to understand what's happening with their child. And the child doesn't really know how to communicate what it is that's happening either other than they don't like how they feel. They don't like what's happening at school. They don't like how the parent is responding to what they're doing or something of that sort. And so being able to really give the parents the tool to teach their child how to communicate, how to express their emotions is something that not everybody knows how to do. And so that really is One of the ways and one of the things that has been coming through as I've been doing book signings and as I've been talking to people and as I've been doing radio interviews, that is becoming this really important part of who I am helping and who I'm delivering my message to. And it's really been birthed as of very recently. And so it's an amazing journey. And I've been learning so much along the way and then really incorporating that into what I'm sharing. And I think that's what makes it so fun and fresh and alive. And I'm just really consistently connecting with where this book wants to go. I'm connecting with that. And just listening to and letting that energy just carry where it is that we're going to go and what we're going to do.
0: You know, that's so remarkable because I think that some people, you know, kind of try to constrict that. And to be open to a new opportunity, like you hadn't worked with that many teenagers before, teenagers and parents before, you had grooved in some different niches, but this is what happened. And as it happens, you're growing that part of your business and you're touching that part of your audience. And then as that expands, like the more you talk about that in your media appearances, the more it comes in. And, you know, the more opportunity you have to expand that part of your business. So I love that the media is transforming your business as you let it into the areas that are really interesting for you, that really resonate for you, and that are obviously resonating with the parents and the teenagers, too, that that's the two-way street. You know, it's opening a door that resonates with new audiences and that it sparks something new in
1: you. I think that's really beautiful. Yes. It's amazing. It's a really good feeling. And it's just being in that space of being connected to ourselves and then being intentional, but paying attention to what is happening and what and what's going on and what feels right. And it's allowing that to all open up. And it's amazing.
0: That is wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. And Diane's book is Clarity, 10 Proven Strategies to Transform Your Life. And you can get it at dianealtomarcom forward slash clarity or just go to her regular website which is dianealtomare.com d-i-a-n-e-a-l-t-o-m-a-r-e.com forward slash clarity. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about all of your fantastic experiences that I think will really help the audience who may be afraid to do appearances or have some have as we all have our own limiting beliefs but i think that you've set a lot of things that you've said will set people's minds and emotions and feelings at ease to hear what you've gone through and to hear some of the wisdom that you've shared in your own experience so thank you for that
1: thank you susan it's so amazing to be with you as always thank you
0: Hop on over to beamedialing.com for any of the resources that we mentioned in this episode, and also for free goodies. You'll also find over there some surprises because I would love to be able to delight you. Thanks so much for listening to the Be a Media Darling podcast with me, Susan Harrow. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And remember, speak your mind, stand your ground, sing your song. I look forward to meeting you.